The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Oh, well, it is, uh, I guess, damn good coffee and hot. Good morning, folks. It is Monday, your least favorite day of the week. My second least favorite day of the week. For some reason, I I hate Tuesdays more than Monday. But it is Monday, and we'll deal with it. Good morning. It is uh, Monday, uh, January 9th, 2020, 2023. I almost said 2022. Still not quite used to saying 2023, nine days in. Forgive me for being a dope. Anyway, good morning. I uh, hope you had a great weekend. Uh, kind of dreary here where I am. Hope it's a better day wherever you are. Uh, I think we're about, I think, under 80, di- under 80 days till springtime now. I believe that's the case. I think we're at eight, eight, 79, 78, something like that. I'll check it out. But spring is on the way, and that's good news. I can't wait for it to get here. I'm kind of bummed. Uh, I spent 10 hours this weekend. I know I'm way behind the curve here. Uh, Catching up on Paramount. I guess I accidentally (laughs) signed up for a um, trial membership of Amazon Prime and Paramount through Amazon Prime. And was able to watch the offer, 10-hour television show, Paramount exclusive, about the making of The Godfather. I'm going to have to make a video about this because it's a, it's a good movie, a good series, if you are a big fan of The Godfather, like I am. I love that movie. I've watched it. More times than I can count. I would probably say a thousand times, but that's that's probably a, a wild exaggeration. I've watched The Godfather more times than I can re- re- recall. The number of times I've watched the movie is absurd. And I will watch it again anytime I have the opportunity to. I think it is a masterpiece. The story of the making of The Godfather is good enough that you don't have to make up a bunch of uh, silliness lies, exaggerations, embellishments, and there are many in this thing. Some I know about firsthand, actually, uh, and I, I was astounded by the, I guess, just the way they just put it out there. No, Damien Fitz says, wait, can't... Can't you count to a thousand? I could, but it would take a while, and I would get bored by the time I got to around, I don't know, two hundred and fifty or so. I'd say, ah, this is counting. Uh, no, a lot, a lot of times. That's all I will say. A lot of times. Who counts? You count how many times you watch a movie? Anyway, uh, The Godfather. 
the making of good enough story, a lot to be. Now, the problem is it's not this story is not a 10 hour tale of the making of The Godfather. And they tried to make it into 10 hours and uh, they had to embellish and, and kind of exaggerate and flat out make shit up. I will say the guy who played uh, Robert Evans, uh, Matthew Good, wow, what a performance. This guy, I don't it, at times I felt like I was uh, just watching parody like a comedy skit, like somebody doing a campy impression on, on purpose of Robert Evans, but that's the kind of guy he was. Um, but just incredible performance by Matthew Good. I mean, 10 hours is a long time to do that role. And of course, some of it came off. And I, as campy, and I burst out laughing a couple of times um, with the um, with the whole, the way he was portrayed in that uh, film. But the errors and the lies and the, the flat out making up you know, one of the main characters who plays a main part of the antagonist, uh, Tom Hanks' son, Colin Hanks, plays him in the part, Peter Lep- uh, Lep- Lepidus, doesn't exist. Made up. And he's a crucial part of the telling. He's the antagonist in the story. He's the bad guy who at the end has some redemption for supposedly saving Evan's job. He doesn't exist. He never existed. He is supposedly an amalgam of many, many executives who worked uh, at the studio at the time, which is a cheap way of getting out of having to tell the story the right way. And and there are other things like Joey Gallo's death and Joey Gallo um, supposedly um, shaking down the production. According to the movie, I'm going to have to do a complete um, video on this for YouTube of everything it got wrong. I just want to touch on the Gallo thing because I was around during that time and I remember quite well the Joe Colombo assassination or assassination attempt. He eventually died of the of a heart attack related to when he got shot, but it was like seven years. It took him like seven years to die from that, but it, it put him out of business. Um, I remember that day ex- extremely well, very clear. I, yes, I, I can't count it with Allison, but I can remember 50 years ago like it was yesterday. I also remember the day uh, Joey Gallo died, and then I also remember when the uh, the godfather premiered i remember it because it was a big thing in my neighborhood because my neighbor was in the movie played luca brazzi and everybody wanted to see it as soon as it came out it was one of the first movies ever released made uh, to a mass number of uh movie theaters on the same day they didn't have a, a premiere and a limited release they premiered it everywhere and we all went to see it. We were all looking very much forward to it and were excited to see it. So I remember that. And I know, uh, let me just back up. In the movie, if I'm a, I, or in the television show, the series of movies for Paramount, if you don't know, if you haven't watched the offer, I hope this isn't a spoiler. But I know I'm late. It came out in April, and just about everybody but me has seen it already. So 
in the movie, Joey Gallo uh, is supposedly behind the murder of uh, or, or the murder attempt of Joe Colombo. Now, that's that's pretty much accurate. I mean, that's what most people believe uh, was the guy who actually shot him was killed that day. So they could never really directly tie that back to Joey Gallo. But that's what law enforcement believed that makes sense in the world of organized crime in New York at the time. Uh, but so then, uh, according to the the show, Joey Gallo proceeded to uh, shake down the production of The Godfather from that moment on. And... On the day he was supposed to receive his, again, this is according to the offer, on the day he was supposed to receive his first shakedown payment at midnight, which was supposedly his birthday, his 43rd birthday, uh, he goes to Umberto's um, restaurant and is gunned down. And then um, Albert uh, Ruddy does not have to pay the shakedown. Problem with that is, uh, Joey Gallo was gunned down on his birthday at Umberto's Clam House on his 43rd birthday, uh, but it was three weeks after the movie had premiered. Uh, according to the show, it's the, and a, a year before the movie premiered. It was when well, the movie was still in production, and Gallo shows up on and the scene where they're shooting the Godfather getting shot in the in the road there with the oranges and all that stuff uh that didn't happen and it's manufactured and of course it it's used as the way uh, to signify how ruddy got out of paying the shakedown during the movie production and of course that could not have happened because um gallo lived another year and was shot down three weeks after the movie premiered. So obviously that could not have, uh, it wasn't part of the story. That's a key part of the story to just make up. And for somebody like me or anybody who lives through that, it's pretty obvious. It's like a historical fact. And you could just imagine watching a movie where they, you know, if you know anything about history or anything, and they say, uh, well, the Civil War started in 1850. No, it started in 1860. Everybody knows that. It's a common... And so to put that in a, a movie without a, you know anybody doing any fact-checking, I haven't heard anybody else bring this up, by the way. But that's just one of the many, many fabrications, lies, embellishments uh, that are in the movie. But still, for me, it's a very entertaining. Uh, and fun because I am a huge fan of the Godfather, but I can't imagine somebody who is not a huge fan of the Godfather sticking with the thing for 10 hours. It is kind of drawn out. They kind of, um, because it's, they had to make it so long. And I, again, I don't, I don't see the reason it could have been five episodes and been a, a lot more effective um but that that's it so i spent 10 hours watching this 10 hours, consecutive hours into the middle of the night on saturday night and then was shot all day yesterday because of it and kind of regretting it this is the problem this is why i don't have television in my house uh i can't so, something like that 
if it's going to run into the next episode, I'm going to watch it. It's not, not like the old days of television. Like, oh, we'll see you next week, and you have to wait a week. Oh, no, you can watch the next episode now? Okay. So I'll be up till 4 in the morning watching 10 hours of um, something that could probably be told, a story that could be told in five hours or less. Anyway, I hope you have a weekend with better than that. I uh, had a gig on uh, Friday night. Seemed to go okay. It was probably the highlight of my Friday, but um, low energy. Just not feeling it, man. Not feeling it at all. I don't know. If I'm getting old, of course I am getting old. I don't know if that's the reason behind it or just the time of year. It just got me in a funk that I'm trying hard to shake. If you're uh, living under a rock, you probably don't know about what's going on in Brazil. Now, it's kind of weird because we kind of forget that Brazil is in the middle of summer right now. But they're having protests in the street um, and and basically uh, violent protests in their uh, Congress. Inspired by uh, our January 6th uh, thing that happened a couple of years ago. And they're taking the lead from that now. Their uh, former president, Bolsonaro, <laughs> yeah, is in Florida, I guess, visiting his idol, uh, Donald Trump. But, um, it, you know, it's, it seems to be, you know, people are making uh, comments about how big the protests were. And, of course, it's summertime there. People can fill the streets. Well, it was odd to me to see so many people, because again, it's middle of summer there, and in the broad daylight, people marching down the street, wearing jackets in Brazil in the middle of their summer. I don't know, I was, I'm surprised by that. Uh, obviously, you can get some cool days in summer, but a cool day in summer here, it's still not jacket weather. Here, yeah, you know, just surprised. and especially if you have like I don't know, 50,000 people walking down the street with you. <laughs> Pretty warm. Um, I don't, I'm not uh, overly concerned about what that means to world politics. I'm not really overly concerned about anything with world politics anymore. Really, I'm giving up. I am um, conceding to the fact that I will soon be dead. I will soon be dead, and um, children, grandchildren, they can make their own way out of uh, uh, what's left of the world after I'm gone. That's a very selfish, jaded outlook on life, isn't it? But that's where I'm at. I don't give a fuck anymore. My give a fuck is gone. Uh, speaking of world politics, watched a clip yesterday, uh, Joe Rogan. I don't even know the guy's name who was talking to. I should, I should know these things. Uh, but the guy was saying that t- China... China has 10 years left. What do you mean China has 10 years left? Uh, because of um, underpopulation, according to this guy. Now, China has never been really known for being underpopulated. But according to this guy, and, and Rogan was like literally taking deep breaths and sighs every like 30 seconds with this guy. <gasps> what are we going to do? 
guy's saying basically China has 10 years or less because they're not making enough babies, not making enough female babies. I just remind you that uh, he said, well, well, China undercounted their last uh, popular censor uh, census <laughs> uh, by 100 million people. So even even if so, <laughs> even if they they did that, they have, you know, I believe the population was like 1.2 billion now. Oh, so it's 1.1 billion. Wow, that sounds underpopulated to me. Um, but he claims that, um, because he said China's not keeping up technologically. Now, I disagree with that completely. Um, not that I am a spy of any, <laughs> or in our intelligence community at all, and would really know the truth about this stuff. But I've had enough experts on my, uh, evening show generals and political analysts and people who live in China, people who actually um, are involved in the technology sector in China. I had a lot of them on the show. I mean, every one of them has told me the opposite, that China is far more advanced than the U.S. as far as, um, First of all, their military capability and understanding uh, the technology of their military, uh, according to every expert I've talked to, they're more advanced than us. They are the military superpower. Uh, but also on the financial front and uh, the uh, with the ability to hack uh, financial institutions and, and just understand intellectual terrorism, cyber terrorism, uh, cyber crime, China is, is blowing us away. Now, those are the people I talked to. Now, you can always say, well, one expert cancels out the other. But this guy was going to the extreme that they, China has 10 years left. Like, what happens? They're not just going to fold up. Oh, well, things are going bad. We're underpopulated. Well, let's just fold up and go away as a country. That's not going to happen. This guy was making that case, and Rogan was eating it up because he likes that stuff. He wants he wants to believe in great conspiracies. He wants to, to believe in um, over-the-top predictions about doom and gloom. He does. This is, and you know, he lived on the moon landing uh, was fake conspiracy thing for like ten years till somebody finally talked him off the ledge on that. But he loves that stuff. He loves it. And so, if you want to believe, and you're presented with crazy ideas, everything can make you go. <sighs> what are we gonna do? Interesting clip. I'm gonna. I might have to do like a a short clip on that, like a reaction clip to that. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't have the energy for it. I definitely want to do one for uh, the offer, though. I'm going to do a what they got wrong clip um, for that. Speaking of wanting to believe, I'm just rolling, segueing right along here at 9.19 in the morning on a uh, Monday morning, gloomy winter Monday morning. 
the wanna from the wanna believe file. Our friend, my friend, Michael Zinn, uh, posted uh, something on Facebook yesterday about his friend, Christopher Allen, who is a psychic medium. And um, according to the people he's done readings for, but he's extremely accurate. But, 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 I think every psychic I've ever talked to can make that same claim. According to the people you've done readings for, the majority of them say you're extremely accurate. I would suggest that every single one of those people who say, well, you were extremely accurate, wants to believe that. Because uh, the way it goes is classic. Classic textbook fake. <laughs> I said fake with a little attitude there, didn't I? Um, <clears throat> so the clip that he, he shared was a remote, like, you know, a StreamYard, Zoom, whatever it was. And he was talking to a panel of news hosts. And he starts out by uh, saying, the gentleman uh, with the brown blazer next to on the right now, he knows these people's names. He's going on a show. And so he knows who he's going to be talking to. So when he comes out with the gentleman on the right wearing the brown, he knows that guy's name, but he's saying it to say to suggest he knows nothing about this person, to plant the idea in the viewer's heads. I don't even know this guy. The gentleman on the right and the brown, they all do that. If you watch any of the psychic readings that are on television or any medium, like where you, where you, where you can watch this stuff, whether it's on YouTube or whatever, if they're doing a reading for somebody and you know they know the person and if you logically think about it they know who they're doing the reading for they know their name but they try to put plant the seeds that they know nothing about this person right from the start and that's what that is and you'll see it done over and over again uh you ma'am uh, uh yes could you st- uh, listen guy no if you're going on a show, you know who's interviewing you. You know the names of the people. You get familiar with it. Either other, you've got two things: either you're total phony or you're total fraud, uh, totally rude, because it's incumbent on you to know the people who you're going to be talking to. You don't know anything about them. I'm just going to go in blind, and not not know their names. Okay, comes in, uh, and you see the guys close to my age probably past middle age and he says uh i see a father figure near you like an older man could be a father could be an uncle maybe past now anybody any man over 45 years old chances are highly likely highly likely that a father or uncle has passed by the time you're 45 years old. And in case that doesn't work, we can always go, oh, it must be a grandfather. Never mentioning specific names, never giving you the opportunity to actually question, oh, that's not how it works. You can't ask them direct questions. I want to I ask the spirit a direct question. Where do you leave my car keys? 
something like that. You never get that. You get very vague. Oh, I, I, I'm sensing that he's saying something about your tattoo. Do you have a tattoo? Yes, I do have a tattoo. Incredible. How could you know that? What are the statistics on people who have tattoos? I would say pretty uh, overwhelmingly in the plus column. And if not, if he did not have a tattoo, oh, maybe he's talking about his tattoo. Did the the person who passed have a tattoo? Sooner or later, the odds are, are just overwhelming that your vagueness is going to uh, sound accurate. And then you get, because he, he's doing this reading, and, and he goes, uh, do you have a tattoo? Uh, oh, yeah, I do have a tattoo. And the woman next to him gets up and goes, oh, my God. Now, everybody in the room sees that oh, my God thing as a validation of incredible accuracy because she said, do you have a, he said, do you have a tattoo? I've seen this game. I've seen the psychic stuff. I've seen every fucking reading trick and every fucking... I'm saying a lot of fuckings now, ain't I? I'm king of fucking, 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 fucking. Um, every, every ruse they can pull. Now, sometimes the person who is most fooled is the person doing the psychic reading. The person who uh, gets caught up in the delusions of grandeur, thinking they have some kind of special, because that works every time. Because you learn the psychological tricks of giving a psychic reading. And I've done it. I have done it sometimes by accident, uh, just, just being an asshole, being, you know, sarcastic to psychics. And showed them up by doing better readings, just pulling shit and saying nonsense. That you know, just random guesses. And people, oh, how could you know that? I don't. I don't know fucking shit. <laughs> I'm making shit up. I'm bullshitting you, you idiot. <laughs> but if you want to believe, and most people who go to a psychic reading, of course want to believe. They're going there with the intent of, I hope I can make contact with my lost loved one. I hope it's true. And so if you hope it's true, and then you get these vague questions. You know somebody whose name begins with M? Many. Oh, but that feels like it feels... Maybe he's onto something. And then it leads to another vague guess. Mary, Margaret, you know... Marie, uh, and they play that game. But if you want to believe, you can believe. Now, I've invited this guy, this newest um, incredible psychic medium, incredibly accurate, like the last in the, the, the next in a great long line of complete phonies. I've invited him on this program. Now, he, would, he was going to deny any uh, he already knows that I'm a skeptic. And so um, he's not likely to face the challenge because I will definitely challenge every 
little nuance of it and point out because when people say uh the 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 line that you'll hear there's no way he could have possibly known that oh yeah there are some ways let's look at some of the ways he could have possibly known that uh for and you know statistically we went we already kind of discussed that statistically odds of people having tattoos and things like that that's not oh there's no way he could have known that you know uh, there are tattoo shots on every fucking corner in america they're not there for nothing a lot of people have tattoos to guess that you have a tattoo kind of mm, it's an easy one and if you don't of course you don't understand that he has a backup plan or well, must be the the person who's passed tattoo or somebody who you know has got a tattoo uh William saying, Oda Mae Brown character in Ghost was a great representation of what most... I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I gotta think about that. Whoopi Goldberg's part. Because um, she kind of had like some weird transformation in that movie where she actually became legit and couldn't handle it. Um, and no, and I don't know most, I, listen, I, again, I've talked to the mind dog program, the, the radio show was every night talking to, um, to, to psychics and mediums and, uh, you name it. And they are not representative of the the people who put up shops and read palms and read tea leaves and all that kind of stuff and uh the twenty dollar now i i know that those people are kind of like what oda may brown character uh was like they there's a lot of that in but the people who were doing psychic readings and psychic fairs and going out and doing these big conferences where people come and pay a hundred dollars a seat to go sit there and the room room is filled up they're not that they're not that at all they are people who who run the james prague the um george anderson type of show and again people want to believe that now uh, one more time, um, I have invited uh, Christopher Allen on the program. I don't expect him to accept, but I would point out, and not to be mean to him, because again, I think he's fooled. I think he's he believes, and that becomes even more powerful when the person, the the psychic fraud becomes a believer in his own psychic shtick because it works. And the more it works, the more he becomes a believer in it. And the more he forgets that he's do, he's, he's using trickery and psychological tricks and wide statistical probabilities and things like that with no real
lost for, lost for words. No real concrete specific evidence. I want to ask a question. Don't give me M's. Let's start off with a full name from the start. Don't give me letters of the alphabet and let me validate. I know somebody with a, whose name begins with a J. Give me the full name. Tell me who they are, where they are, how they died. Give me it all in one sentence. Don't give me this vague bullshit. If, you, if your gift is what it says it is, if what you claim to be, oh, that's not how it worked. They appear and they show me symbolism and I have to interpret it. Yeah. My imagination works that way too. Uh, there are magicians that can make a whole crowd draw a star. Yeah. That's, yeah, we we discussed that. Yes, that's all forced choice. It's the same as a, a, a picking a card. It's like uh, if you ask people to pick an odd, odd now, not even odd, two-digit number between one and fifty, and um, the, it seems like wow, there's a lot of choice between one and fifty. Are two digits numbers? No, there's not that many choice choices. Now I can narrow it down even closer to say, uh, give me an odd two-digit number between one and fifty where both digits are the same. Wow! And if I get that right, understand it's a one and a half. I got a fifty-fifty right there. Well, all your chances are, are 11 and 33. But it sounds like, yeah, between 1 and 50. Wow, that's 50. Wow, holy crap, I got a lot of choices there. How could he possibly know it was 33? Oh, well, it was a 50-50 chance. But, and that's kind of how the, the star thing works. It's like the illusion, I'm eliminating, and you forget about the eliminations. I'm eliminating a circle. From, from right away and then let's you know let's eliminate a square too and what I want you know the whole thing is basically you don't really have a choice but it feels like you have a choice and they give you the illusion of having a choice and that's how that works I have not played my sponsors I played True Fire once last week and I got I'm getting a lot of you know sponsors saying well what happened you're not playing our ads I forget most of the time. I get caught up in the conversation. Uh, but I did, and I have to say this, um, I did get a check from one of the sponsors who uh, finally, hey, what happened? You stopped playing our, our sponsor piece. So I have to tell you now, um, William says, isn't that exa- uh, basically what the medium does? Yes, that's exactly, it's the same trick. It's the same trick, and and the same trick is you know hypnosis and all that stuff. It's it's magic tricks without props. It's mind uh, manipulation and convincing you, you know, because most people, eyewitnesses, are very unreliable, and they forget little details because you get caught up in the moment in the big, bigger movement will mask smaller movement. That's a magic. Um, 
principal fundamental of doing magic is a larger movement will will take your attention away from smaller movements and so that they rely on a lot of that stuff the illusion of choice forced choice as they call it uh all that stuff but i gotta tell you about uh a choice that i made <laughs> for the best coffee and it wasn't a uh, a forced choice it was a coerced choice due to uh financial and monetary incentives to tell you that Coa Coffee is the best coffee in America, according to Forbes magazine. Anyway, it's grown on the slopes of uh, the Mauna Loa uh, volcano in, in uh, Hawaii. And I got to tell you, it's the best coffee I ever drank, at least the, the best coffee that ever paid the bills for uh, the sponsorship here on the program. Damn, Koa Coffee. Uh, link is in the description. Get your Koa Coffee. Uh, today, uh, we do appreciate you uh, patronizing the sponsors. I hope that works. I don't want to play the whole uh, commercial for it. But, you know, you Koa Coffee is a great company and great coffee, man. Um, and, you know, I am very forthright about um, the fact that if not for the money, I would not know about Koa Coffee. But that doesn't mean it's not great coffee. I am sincere when I tell you it is great coffee. I wouldn't drink something that was not great coffee. And you know this. You know when my wife makes coffee, I kind of send it back. Send it back like soup at a deli. Uh, just reject it. Uh, what, what else is going on? You know, I did want to talk to Carl because, you know, Carl has some, uh, I won't say roots. He's got some love for the country of brazil and i did want to talk to him a little bit about his get his take on what's going on down there is he concerned at all um and i know he's doing a couple of last rites this week i think he's doing one tomorrow it might be wednesday and one friday uh so i will definitely kind of be listening in to see if you've got any take on that kind of stuff um now, I do want to talk a little politics. I'm sorry. I have to. And it's not really the politics. Well, yes, it is. It is. the I hold my bullshit. It is the politics of it all. Uh, late Friday night, uh, the House finally elected Kevin McCarthy, the speaker. And my prediction that the Hunter Biden laptop would be the first order of business was wrong. I'm happy to see that, but I'm not happy to see what the first order of business, well, one of the first orders of businesses, they want to cut <coughs> Social Security and Medicare. They, it seems like the Republican Party doesn't learn from their mistakes because the abortion issue before the, the uh, midterms was... It, it killed it killed them. They were were set for a red tsunami. They were ready to take the Senate and overwhelmingly take the House, and they lost a, way more than they anticipated because of the abortion issue. Because they went so hard into that. Social Security is a hot button issue with a lot of Republican voters because a lot of Republican voters are my age. And getting ready to get Social Security. Their money back. Social Security is not the government's money. It never was. 
It is your money being put into a savings account for when you are ready to to retire and need it as an old person. When you're done working, uh, it was set up as a safety net for old people. But you pay into it every week. They take money out and they say, we're taking this money out to give it back to you when you reach a certain age. And then they want to say, well, we're not going to give it back to you. But we lied. That's what they want to do. Instead of having the rich people, the super rich people, pay a little more. And let's be clear. Social Security is set up as its own system. It does not affect the national debt um, in any way. But they are trying to, and they borrow money illegally, not unintended from uh, the way Social Security was set up. They borrow money to pay bills for wars and things like that from the Social Security Fund all the time. And so this idea that they just want to renege on their promise to pay you back what you paid into it, I think is a disaster. And what you're looking at, again, people think every time I bust on the Republican Party as it is today that I'm making a case for the Democratic Party. I'm not. I'm making a case for the two-party system was always fucked up. It, it It could be a whole lot more efficient. But it was far better than any one-party system the world has ever known. And we need both parties to be strong. So when I'm bashing on the the uh, current Republican Party, I'm not saying you got to be a Democrat. I'm saying the Republicans got to get this shit together because they are in total disarray, totally fucked up. And they are going to be the ones that force the hand of America to be a one-party system because they run on the stupidest platforms that you can imagine because they have no fucking idea people on their side. I'm sorry to say that, but there are no fucking independent thinkers on their side. They're all talking in unison about the same failed policies and trickle-down bullshit and corporate welfare you know, let's give more tax cuts to the rich. That's what we need. That's going to save everything. It didn't save anything. The last one increased the debt tremendously. And all, and that was the cause of a lot of the cause of what we saw in inflation and all that kind of stuff. They, you, they gave you a tax cut if you're a normal working class person that so, seemed like it was a big deal. You got, oh, I got $150 back that year. They didn't tell you the, about the millions of dollars that the big cats were getting for 10 years in perpetuity, where yours just ended that one year. You got the one, yeah, this one will appease them. Give them a couple hundred bucks and shut them up. So, uh, you know, the, but the Social Security thing is going to blow up in their faces because, again, most, not most, a big chunk of a, a Republican base are old people like me. 
old people who were expecting to get their Social Security, and you're telling your core voters, eh, we're going to rob you. You know that promise we made? We didn't mean it. Your money? You, we were holding it for you? <laughs> you're not getting that back. But vote for us. So um, what I envision, and listen, my predictions can be wrong, as you know, and a lot. <laughs> but what I see is uh, 2024 being a, if they continue down this um, idea of uh, taking money from the small people to give to the rich people, uh, taking money from the poor and giving it to the rich, you keep going down and taking money from the old and giving it uh, to the rich and taking money from the sick and giving it to the rich. That's not going to do well for the next uh, big election, 2024. There will be an election in 2023, but you know what? It's not a big one. There's not, not a whole lot of seats up for grabbing that stuff. but Or the presidency. Not up for grabbing. But I, I can see it backfiring tremendously in 2024, just as the abortion thing fucked them uh, for 2022. So, I mean, and, and then you get down to this whole subcommittee of subcommittees of subcommittees uh, trying to limit what the Justice Department can do, and they want to investigate the Justice Department and spend all all your money putting together congressional investigations into con- congressional investigations not going to work it's not going to it's not going to be a, a big people want things want things to get better they want to see the country progressing and the common very common perception is that America is not progressing. We life has not gotten better. Like Congress never got anything done. The whole, even, no matter which party was in control, um, they never get anything done for it. But that's not not at all true. There have been so many improvements in people's lives over my lifetime. You you just forget them because you start to take them for granted. But we are at a point where we need some, we can't have, we can't have Congress battling Congress while our infrastructure is falling apart. Our roads, our bridges, our airports, our power grids are falling apart. We rely on Congress to get that taken care of. And without an effective Congress or a Congress that is just involved in petty, uh, let's look, we got to get to the bottom of the dick pics on the laptop story. That takes away from, from progress in America. So we're not, we're not moving forward with any of that stuff. And I think it will end up backing, backfiring on the, that's not a good thing for America. As I've said a thousand and one times now, we need both parties to be strong. We can't have just a one-party system. Check it out. Go through history. Look at any time where just one party held all the power. 
and see how that turned out for the little folks, the people on the bottom. Not good. Not good at all. All right, I'll move away from politics. Is that okay with you? I know you you want me to. And the address um, is going to be releasing the last shot on YouTube this Friday. It will be free. Andy contacted me about a month ago to kind of um, help with the marketing of this thing. But he wasn't really clear (laughs) about what exactly. I did not know it was going to be on YouTube or for free. Uh, But so he had some clips that 800-pound gorilla sent him, and they were long clips, could have been shorter. They don't understand the... And I'm not bashing people, marketing people over there. I don't, I don't think they were given a whole lot of direction. But they don't understand the the mechanisms of clips. And I think it might work for some people who have a YouTube channel that is properly monetized already to be able to put out a special where views will pay you something instead of nothing. <laughs> But if you don't already have that, releasing something on YouTube for free doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a business standpoint. But also, the the marketing of it and and the planning of it, I'm just, I feel bad because I love Andy. And I want to see him rewarded for his work. And I think he he saw Billy Wayne Davis getting some traction off that stuff and thought that was a good way to go. It might have been for Billy Wayne, uh, who's got a little more, um, a little more solid foundation on YouTube. But I I, I feel like first of all, the clips that I'm seeing now. If you if you use shorts or real or you view shorts or reels anywhere, you know that every comedy, even the biggest names in show business, when they release these reels and the short form videos that are supposed to be marketing pieces, they have captions on them because a lot of the people who see them won't necessarily have the volume up and they need some enticement to turn the volume up or just watch the clip because if it's just a guy talking and there's no sound, it's meaningless. And so they did not do that for Andy. They didn't put they didn't put any caption on them. I when I, I created some clips for him, but again, and they did have captions on them. But again, he wasn't real clear about the objective here that there, that it was free YouTube, and I had some stuff about going to eight hundred pound gorilla, which made them useless. So now he's putting out stuff that is vertical for reels, but without the captions on them. So ninety nine percent of the audience will pass them by, unless you already love Andy, and if you already love Andy, you probably already bought the special. Extremely frustrating for a guy like me who cares about his friends, who wants to see them succeed, and sitting here watching him shoot himself in the foot. 
so I guess what the bottom line here is, if you love Andy, if you're a fan of him, share this stuff. Get out there and tell people this Friday, make it, give them a buck. <laughs> because, again, it takes a lot to get a buck out of YouTube. Putting stuff on YouTube for free is not necessarily a sound business move unless you have established monetization and are getting paid. And even in cases like that, like I am, listen, you know how much content I put on YouTube all the time, every fucking day. I put more content out than anybody alive. <laughs> Maybe. That's a lot. And if I tell you um, that the money that I, you know, the revenue I produce would not pay the rent on a uh, one bedroom in the worst part of town. There's no, there's no money in it unless you really, really are Mr. Beast or, you know, millions. You got to have millions. Yeah, a million subscribers. You could probably make a decent living on YouTube. I'll back that up. Maybe back off that. Maybe let's say a hundred to, to 500,000, but listen, 400 subscribers or something that, um, it's just not a good business model. So if you care about them at all, I guess share it as much as you possibly encourage people to subscribe. Um, try to try to get in the way of the bullet when he shoots himself in the foot. <laughs> That's all I can say. I mean, I, I'm sad. I'm sad and frustrated because I want to see him do well. I really do. Um, the other thing I want to... Uh, kind of weird to talk in this weird segue here. Uh, well, I got to get going in a minute anyway. I noticed this morning Andy's friend Doug Stanhope. Um, now, I know Stanhope has said a million times he's not a, he doesn't really enjoy music and he doesn't like people posting music and he doesn't like, you know, uh, when people share music videos on YouTube, he said he'll never watch it. But this morning he shared Warren Yvonne's, um Keep Me In Your Heart for a while. And um, I love that piece. I love Warren. I love, I, and I've written a song uh, for Warren, you know, and shared it with his family and Jordan, his son, um, based on the idea of that whole uh, enjoy every sandwich uh, thing. But it, it's surprising to me to see Stanhope sharing that stuff. Obviously, a lot of the claims about not not really not really relating to to music, which I find really weird in anybody, any human being to say, I don't relate to music. But a lot of comedians take that kind of, I don't really care about music. A lot of them, and a lot of ones I've talked to, but Stanhope more pronounced than anybody. But surprising that that one because that's a really heartfelt song. And for me, it's kind of because I love that song so much and I'm such a big fan of Doug Stanhope that I I found that somehow, I don't know, 
inspiring to see that he he cares about that song. But I'm also wondering, because the song is, if you don't know the song, Keep Me In Your Heart for a while, is a song that uh, Warren Zevon wrote and recorded while he knew he only had, he believed he only had three three to six months left. He actually ended up living almost two full years. Uh, but he wrote it at a time where he was staring down death and expecting it to come quickly. And it's basically, when I'm gone, keep me in your heart for a while, still, you know. And I'm thinking, well, every time I play that, I know my wife thinks, what does that mean? You're dying? No, not necessarily. It doesn't mean that. It could be. But it, it made me question, like, why, why now? Why that song? Why Doug? There's a lot of things going on with him lately that are making me think, what's going on with him? Yeah, no, that's, William said so is Stanhope okay. I brought that up last week because he seemed awfully patient and polite with a guy who was sort of heckling him on Twitter, which is uncharacteristic. And I'm like, what's going on with Stanhope? There's something going on. Now, I, if you know, Doug Stanhope and I are not, uh, friends in any way. He has been on the program a couple of times. He tolerates me. <laughs> I, I think that's about, and not to, not that much. I know I piss him off a lot of ways. And uh, so I don't want to overstep my bounds there at all. And I know that perception <laughs> is, is what it is. Um, there was a guy, uh, I call him Rich, Ricky Roachclip. He's a guitar player for uh, Ryan, Ryan something, Ryan Rote. He is a guitar player for Alice Cooper. And one morning, by sheer chance on YouTube, I saw my picture going by in one of the thumbnails. I was like, what the fuck? Somebody's got me on their YouTube channel. And I clicked in, and it was Ryan, Ricky Roachclip. Uh, and he was interviewing Doug Stanhope. And I was like, well, what is this? This, this is interesting. When does it get to bring me into the conversation? Because I'm clearly in the thumbnail. And uh, Ryan brought me up. He, he said, because uh, they were talking about continuity in films and why Stanhope always drinks from a cup you can't see how much is in it. And Ryan, Ryan Ricky Roachclip, Ryan whatever his name is he said i tell you one guy who would notice that matt napo he would notice that and then uh, stanhope replied trying not to be too insulting to me <laughs> making an effort not to be like really bashing me he said uh you know i don't like most of my fans <laughs> as you know i do my they scare the shit out of me but he said matt napo like uh like other, you know, David Tell has me. He'll call me up and you know, you remember that bit I did, and Stanhope will remember it and clear him up on. It. He said, uh, basically, the point he was making is, I know his material better than he does, and I will remember bits he did uh, word for word clearer than he does. No, that's not true. It's not true at all. I, I, I get up obsessed on little things that I repeat and they stick with me. So if you bring it up, like Godfather quotes, if you brought that up, I would correct you on it if you got it wrong because I 
said it a billion times, there are Stan, Stan Hope bits that stick in my head that I repeat over and over again. But the point I guess I, I brought that up for is we're not friends. We're not, you know, he barely tolerates me, but uh, I think he, he thinks I'm kind of the super Doug Stanhope fan who knows all his material and all that stuff and knows so, so much about him and just like kind of cyber stalks him. Not the case. But I I do find I do follow him on Twitter and I kind of don't always speak my mind about what I'm thinking, but I think what's going on with this guy? He's one of the one of the best thinkers and, and philosophers in co- in comedy, and I know he probably hates that, but he it's true. His um, he encourages independent thought through his art form and has a way of cutting through the bullshit in his comedy, much like Colin had, uh, much like Colin had. I think he's he is um, the heir to the uh, legacy of George Colin when it comes to cutting through the bullshit in the way we we interact in society and the politics and you know this you know all the bullshit that comes with um, stuff like nationalism and you know wars and and all that kind of stuff. So then you know there's that, but so that's why I'm I'm really curious. And so when I see what what he's been tweeting lately, it's so uncharacteristically uh, different than what I come to expect i have to say what's going on with this guy and i hope he's well you know maybe having your house catch on fire can be a, a trauma point and make you yeah being forced to live away from uh your comfort zone for a while can do some funny things to you anyway i hope he's all all right that's all i'm gonna say about that i do have to run i have uh business to take care of today I'm not happy about this I'm at a, a real, um, I'm going through some shit myself. I'm at a real um, crossroads and trying to trying to calibrate what my next moves are here uh, for, for this year. And this time of year is really a funky time for me. And if you know me, you know why that is. I'm not going to get too deep into that here. Um, this is I'm going through some things. I got to figure some things out, and I appreciate you all being there to listen to me while I rant for a day. Later on, I think tomorrow, good chance tomorrow, James Utley, comedian from Kentucky, uh, will be on the program. He is uh, a rock star in a lot of ways, and I mean that by he holds a rock up and wants to crush people's head with it. Uh, ooh, what's that? Um, so he, good chance he will be with me tomorrow morning. Um, and then Thursday, I was supposed to talk to uh, people from the Gen X Talks, uh, the father and son from Gen X Talks podcast. Uh, that might be interesting. And then Friday, who do I have Friday? I have somebody Friday. I think it's Dave. Dave Sidwell wants to talk about uh, some CIA stuff that's going on uh, with him and um, and uh, learning to wipe his ass with his right hand again. Some physical I know something going on with his um, health situation. He's at the VA, but I know he has to. I think he's a lefty, and he's got. 
mention that he has to learn to wipe his ass with his left uh, with his right hand again. Not sure what's going on with Dave, but Dave will be with me on on Friday. I don't know. It is what it is. I have a couple of uh, programs this week um, on the evening program, which I have not done since the middle of December. One tomorrow night will be with Joe Bochamp, and we're going to talk about what matters most. And Joe teaches, he's a former high school teacher. He's now a coach and trainer, leadership coach and trainer. But he's got this course called What Matters Most, and it's aimed at students, high school students mostly, and teaching them life skills because the educational system and I think most people would agree on this. Our educational system fails at teaching students what matters most. We don't prepare them for life. We prepare them for things they're not going to use in life. And this is, you know, you grow up with the idea, well, why am I ever going to use this? And a lot of that turns out to be true. There are things, important skills you need to learn in reading, writing, and arithmetic. But beyond that, I mean, if you're not, if you're not in a field that needs to use calculus every day, there's no point in you taking those classes. But you don't learn anything about things like emotional intelligence, uh, how to manage finances, all those kind of things that matter in life. We're not teaching kids. And so we wonder why we have a generation of lost souls. Well, a lot of it has to do with that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about emotional intelligence, which is a lesson I've been trying to learn for 60-plus years and still not all that good with it. You know, the whole cliches of, well, you're losing your temper, count to 10. Listen, if I could th- if I could remember to count to 10, I would not have temper problems or, you know, rage issues. Remembering the count to ten is the first thought of it. Nobody ever has that. And people who who throw that cliche at you don't get that. Anyway, it's time for me to go. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh and sing a song. It seems we just get started, and before you know it, comes a time we have to say, "So long, so long."
listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.